Welcome to the Sports Predictor Podcast. I'm your host, Al Walsh. We are brought to you by SportsPredictor.com, where professional bettors share their best plays. Get the winning edge by subscribing to the Sports Picks packages from long-term winning bettors. Once again, that's SportsPredictor.com. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at PredictorHQ. Once again, at PredictorHQ. Today's guest, Alex Bartlett, uh, sports betting extraordinaire. You can find him on Twitter, at Bartlett. Uh, 157. Once again, Bartlett 157. What's going on, Alex? How's it going? Boy, that's uh, quite the intro. Sports <laughs> betting extraordinaire, huh? I'm gonna have to add that to the uh, Twitter bro- the Twitter bio. Hey, you know, you know, even if you put a little trademark AW at the bottom of it, you know, I'm not you saying go. you have to, but wouldn't be a terrible idea. So uh, <laughs> I, it's funny. I, I was actually looking on your uh, Twitter. There seemed like a seemed like a great guy out there, great following, and all that. Um, what's it like dealing with the sickos out there on Twitter? You get uh, a lot of uh, a lot of flack if you don't have a good week. Uh, well, to be honest, my, I, I think that my followers are, are pretty awesome and I'm sure everybody would tell you that, but, uh, I think most of them out there are honestly, they're, they're trying to learn for themselves or trying to get better. I, uh, I really don't get or have a ton of trolls. Um, I, I mean, I feel fortunate for that considering, you know, the mentions some of these guys get, they just get blown up with them, but yeah, I try and try and stay humble. Uh, try not to be arrogant wins and losses are going to happen uh there's really no point in beating your chest when you're on a hot streak or you know trying to make excuses when you're losing and i think that takes away a lot of the fodder for uh for the trolls out there they're good hey if we could all be so lucky right <laughs> uh, all right so take us through your journey of sports betting uh you know how'd you get started uh, actually let's just start with that how uh, it all came to be so I, to be honest, like I, I've always been a sports fan. Uh, I actually stumbled upon gambling Twitter by accident in 2012. Uh, I think I must have been reading somebody's mentions or something at the time, and and found somebody, started scrolling their Twitter, and and next thing I know, I was uh, I was in in the the belly of the beast, uh, you know, and and like I started off like you know, I, at the time I really didn't know much about sports betting or anything like that and you know I, I signed up for my first account and thought i was going to get rich the same way everybody else did you know taking uh you know duke my uh, duke basketball and north carolina basketball parlaying them money line parlays and you know, I, I, I was going to get rich uh <laughs> on heavy favorite money line parlays just like everybody else i'm sure thought they were going to and after I uh, burned through the first bankroll, found out that's uh, that's that's not the way to do it, and it's also not much fun hemorrhaging money. Like definitely that. not, definitely not. I know we're definitely going to get into that towards the end uh, in terms of bankroll management. But uh, you know, when you were coming up, uh, you know, who did you learn from? Uh, and also, too, what were some of the better lessons you learned? You know, aside from doing massive parlays on uh, huge money line winners. <laughs> Uh, it took me a long time to understand, uh, the value that I, I believe that Twitter, uh, can be, you know, that you, you look around and there's a lot of people out there, uh, that are, you know, just giving out plays or, um, you know, they're, I guess more for, for better or worse, they're just picks accounts. They're giving out plays. They're not necessarily providing a ton of value in my opinion, um, you know, if, if you, if you are, if you're just looking to bet for fun or bet recreationally and you're, you're looking for some action, then, you know, go ahead and tail those guys. But it took me a long time to understand that there are a lot of people out there who are, are legit and are good 
and they might not be giving out plays, but they, they're going to give out nuggets of information yeah. um, here and there as to what their process is. And that information, if you're trying to become better, is is far more valuable. Um, and I, I, you know, I don't necessarily want to just point to, to any, any people in particular, cause there's a lot of them out there, but, um, you know, guys like Rob Pizzola or Adam Chernoff or, um, you know, there's, there's a million guys out there like that who are, like I said, are not necessarily giving out plays. Um, but they're, they're, you know, they'll provide some insights as to what their, uh, their process is. And I think that's far more valuable. So speaking of processes, what's yours uh, each week? <laughs> So the, 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 uh, I'm a married man. Um, and, and this, you know, I'm, I'm not a professional by any means, but this is, this is my hobby and this is what I like to do. Some people go fishing. I, I bet sports and I take it pretty seriously. And, uh, for me, uh, my process, you know, uh, time management is, is really key. You know, it might not be the same thing every day at the same time. Uh, but, you know, maximizing the time that you have and, uh, you know, understanding, you know, when family time is as opposed to like when your personal time is, uh, has really helped me, you know, that way, you know, if, if I'm getting home from work before she is try and get some stuff done, uh, or, you know, whatever, do, do the laundry. You know, I, I I know this is kind of silly stuff, but you know, when you, when you understand if like, like myself, if you're taking this seriously, but you work a nine to five job, then you need to balance your, your, your work life, your personal life and your hobbies. Um, so I guess maybe that's what I would suggest to anybody who's trying to take this seriously is, you know, even if it is setting a schedule so that your significant other, uh, understands, well, you know, on Tuesday nights, I would like, I would like my time to handicap and look at the market and bet my stuff. And, you know, Wednesday night we'll go out and get dinner or, you know, whatever. I think that that stuff no, matters, that's a, you know, too, for myself, I'm like newly back in a relationship, for like the first time in five years and just everything, you know, I'm not married with kids or anything like that, but you know, just hearing you say those things, it's absolutely right. You know, where, you know, Wednesday's probably dinner night, you know, and then you got to figure it out mm-hmm. the rest of the week and how you're going to do it, whether you got to stay up a little later or wake up a little earlier, whatever the case is that, you know, that all certainly makes sense. Um, now, you know, you're actually saying yourself here that, you know, th- that this isn't necessarily your, um, you know, your your full time job. But, you know, what what sort of other advice, you know, besides managing time, would you give to to guys that are trying to take sports betting to the next level where it is a hobby, but you know, they might want to spend the extra, you know, extra hour or three to four hours doing it each day. Uh, I guess the thing that I would say is like, I, I, I don't know if people understand, like it is, it's hard, it's hard to win. And if you are coming at it, uh, from a framework, you know, even if, even if you have an established framework, you know, to try and stay on top and try and understand the markets and try and like all that stuff takes time. You know, there are a lot of guys out there with, with brilliant models who plug and play numbers, but even those models, I mean, they come from somewhere, they take time. And if you're coming at this as somebody who doesn't necessarily have that framework, like you're going to be spending a lot of your time reading and researching and, and doing whatever. It's not just a matter of waking up Sunday, you know, on an NFL uh, you know, Sunday, waking up Sunday morning, looking at the lines at seven o'clock in the morning and making your bets like there, there's going to be research and time and, you know, injury reports and understanding, you know, market movements and who might be moving those lines. And, 
there's just a lot, a lot of time that goes into it and, you know, beyond just handicapping the games. Now, do you actually use a model yourself or is it more, you know, watching the game, you know, with your own eyes and, you know, keeping your own ears out uh, glued for information? I, well, the, yes, is the answer to both. (laughs) Um, I, you know, I, I have in the last several years, I have picked up modeling. Um, I don't, I don't come from a, a strong mathematics background. You know, I've always liked math and I feel like I'm okay at it. Uh, so again, there's, you know, like going back to, to time, um, I spent a lot of time researching and reading and, and understanding what goes into it. So I do some modeling now and, you know, as the years have gone on, it has definitely become more predictive than the rudimentary stuff that I <laughs> started off with. But, um, but there, I, I, I believe that there's also, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, like reading, researching, um, coaches quotes, player quotes, you know, I, I know it's, you know, some people roll their nose up at it, but you know, there, I think there is something to be said about motivation. Um, I think that stuff matters too. And, and, and in my opinion, it's harder to capture that stuff in, in just models. So, uh, looking over your, your Twitter, I saw that you had a very good 2018 season. Uh, what, what did those numbers look like at the end of the year? Uh, they went well. Um, I don't, I, I spend a lot of my time betting into, you know, really small and obscure markets, you know, go, you know, log into your betting account, find the most random sport that you can find. And, and you'll probably find me betting on that. So I don't, unfortunately, I'm not able to share everything I made uh, or everything I bet on. Uh, but, but the NFL, you know, I'll, I'll post my plays when I make them and it, it, it went well. Um, and that's, that's a sport that I'm not necessarily, you know, that, that, that in particular is definitely a hobby for me. I love the NFL. Um, and it's such a sharp market. As long as I'm in the black at the end of the season, I'm frankly, I'm happy. So now, uh, I know that you do NFL, like you just mentioned, I saw that you also dig into WNBA, uh, any other sports that you do, or are those the two main wheelhouse ones for you? Uh, those are the two main ones. Um, you know, I don't necessarily want to give away, <laughs> give away all my stuff, but, uh, uh, you know, some international, uh, some other international basket stuff. Um, I've, I've done a little bit with South Korean baseball. It did not go well, but, uh, you know, just kind of markets, you know, like that, that, Again, you, somebody would look at that and think, "Who the hell is betting that?" And I, you know, I'm I'm probably the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I think stuff like that is ultimately, well, it is easier to beat than NBA, MLB, you know, whatever. Oh, come on, you weren't crushing South Korean baseball. I mean, it's like the easiest one. Man. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the, I don't even I can't even remember some of the names of some of the teams. No, it uh, it it was abysmal. It was it was a fun experiment while it lasted, but it. Uh, yeah, it definitely did not culminate into anything. Uh, so I know, um, you know, you were talking a little bit with David about uh, CLV, uh, closing line value. Uh, can you sort of discuss that for, for the audience? You know, why is it so important and you know, how are betters going to be able to use that to their advantage? So in sports betting, you are not necessarily trying to predict an outcome. You're trying to predict a probability. Uh you know, using baseball because it's an easy example, you're not saying, well, the Yankees are going to win. You're going to say, well, how often are the Yankees expected to win? And then you're comparing that with what's available. Um, if you believe in the efficient market theory as, as these line, you know, these lines open the night before, 
it's just the book bookmaker's opinion, and then as people bet into them, suddenly it becomes the opinion of you know you know people are backing it with their money. It becomes the opinion of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of people. And suddenly, what became you know a book you know a bookmaker hanging a line has become like a perfectly weighted sample of you know tens or hundreds of thousands of people's opinions. Um, and and the closing line is more predictive in basically any sport with any amount of liqu- liquidity than the opening line is. So if you can consistently beat that closing line, get a better price than the rest of your fellow betters, then theoretically, long term, that should translate to wins. Interesting. Um, yeah, I know. So do you te- typically take a look at, you know, you know, something just as simple as how much the public is betting on one thing? Like, do you go against them a lot or does that really not weigh into what you do? Uh, I haven't looked at that really? in years, to be honest. No, um, I think a lot of that can be fluff. I mean, the, you know, the books are giving you that information, but how accurate is it? I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if, the companies that are, you know, giving out that information know. Um, and, and again, I, I, I think if you're looking at that stuff to place your bets, you know, if you're looking at reverse line movement, you know, somebody has already came in and bet that number, but you're not betting that number. You know, you're getting, you're getting a worse number than what they are steam chasing basically. Um, you know, so they might think going back to baseball, Oh, the Yankees minus minus one twenty is a good price. You see that reverse line movement. Suddenly, you're betting minus 140. Those are not the same yeah. bets. You are you're placing a, a much more negative expected value bet than you know whoever might have been placing it at positive expected value. Definitely. Yeah. I, you know. Again, that's a pretty good uh, lesson to be had out there for everyone. I mean, you know, the information's out there, so sometimes you can't help but look at it. But you're absolutely right. Like on the on the same level, it's not that I let that influence a lot of my betting, but at the same time. You know, it is great to have that, uh, you know, sort of that uh, unique look at it, you know? It, it, I mean, it can be interesting. You know, you, you, you'll see 90% of the tickets and 95% of the money or something on one side. It's kind of like, what, you know, what the hell's going on here? Is it, apparently it's a gimme or something. I, you know, what am I missing? Uh, well, I, I think I saw you, you actually <laughs> had the Redskins this week, week two. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, you know, but that was that was a situation there too, where I was like, "All right, well, this looks way too easy to be true for for the Cowboys here." Figured a divisional game going in that one, and uh, yeah, I, I thought the Redskins played pretty well in the first half, but way too many damn mistakes shooting them in the foot throughout. Yeah, they've been uh, they've been frisky the first couple of games. I mean, I, I know they didn't haven't covered yet, but they've uh, I thought they've played well the first couple of weeks. Yeah, but. definitely. All right, so. Uh, you know, earlier we did talk about bankroll management, you know, and what your process is like. Um, people that don't have bankroll management, I mean, number one, how wrong, how wrongly are they doing it? And number two, how do they get started with bankroll management? I would say if you're a person who's just starting off, um, you, I, in my, my opinion, uh, you should try, you should be staking the same thing on every bet basically every time, you know, 1% of your bankroll. And, you know, I know that's, you know, for a lot of new beginners who maybe don't have a huge bankroll, they look at that and they're like, well, 1%, that's, you know, what's the fun in that? But it does add up uh, over time if if you're, you're, you know, placing quality bets. And it also prevents you from completely obliterating your bankroll, like, you know, maybe the guy who's placing a lot of money line parlays. Um, 
And then, you know, as you evolve and over time and, and begin to understand better what your edge is, you know, work on trying to quantify your edge. And then I would say, uh, you know, apply some sort of Kelly criterion, uh, which is a way of maximizing, you know, you know uh, betting based on the edge you have. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, again, you need to, you kind of need to understand what your edge is, but that's probably the appropriate way to go about it. Uh, as a prof- or not a professional, but as a uh, more experienced better. Uh, one thing that I you know forgot to ask you on you know when we were talking about your journey through sports betting, uh, were there any like books or materials that you read that that kind of got you in the right frame of mind? Um, yeah, I, there's I mean there's a lot of good books out there, and again, this is going to be one of those you know where I've, I I inevitably I'm going to end up forgetting something, but um, uh, you know sharper was written by I think true poker Joe who's on Twitter uh, that's a really quality book if you're looking to get into statistical modeling um, I think there's it's called statistical sports models in Excel by Andrew Mack uh, is a is a pretty good book um, you know the uh, Joe Pita uh, trading bases even if you're not a baseball better I think that there's a lot of stuff in that book that can be applied to you know the sports betting and sports markets as a whole Um those are the three that always just come to my head right away, partially because they're you know the three most recent I've read. But I also think that they're really good and, and uh, valuable uh, books. All right. Well, uh, I know that we kind of went through all the talking points uh, that we had for today, but you know we do have a couple extra minutes. Uh, I was just kind of curious as to how you know you see all these different quarterback changes going in the NFL, uh, where you know we see Mason Rudolph in for. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, we've got Teddy Bridgewater coming in for Drew Brees. Again, the news today, Daniel Jones coming in for Eli Manning. Do you see one of those teams in particular taking a big step forward, or are all three of these teams just screwed? I am keeping my eye uh, on the Giants with Daniel Jones. Um, I, you know, I don't necessarily want to take a ton away from preseason. I was not high on the pick at six, I think is when they you took him. You were not him. alone. I th- no, I, I thought that that was kind of a silly pick. You, you know, the guy wasn't necessarily a, a stud in college or anything, but he played well in the preseason. And, you know, some of the people I follow and um, <laughs> have actually suggested that Eli Manning, like Daniel Jones, not not even knowing anything about the guy really could might end up actually being an upgrade uh, statistically. And, well, certainly statistically, Eli Manning is just bad. He's so washed yeah. up. Uh, they should have moved on from him a couple of years ago, but that's a—I mean—that's a whole another topic of conversation. Yeah, it's been. Well, um, I was going to say, I, I live here in Jersey, so it's been uh, quite the day on sports talk radio for for everybody in the area here. But uh, I don't know. I, I think everybody's excited about Jones, whereas you know, back in what was it, April, May, whenever the draft was, you know, that certainly was not the tune. Uh, you know, the guy was getting booed at Yankees right. games and everything like that, and. I think all it took was two weeks of Eli Manning to get everybody saying, all right, I think we're going to have a little change here. This could be nice. This guy's the savior of the franchise. No, and I, I think uh, all things considered, his athleticism is really going to give uh, Pat Shermer a chance to you know, potentially scheme up some offense that's a little bit more creative than what they could have with Eli. Um, and so that's you know that's one where I'm kind of looking to, to see the Giants in the next couple of weeks and see if they can uh, capitalize on a younger more athletic quarterback. Very cool. All right. So our guest today was Alex Bartlett. Find him on Twitter at Bartlett157. Lots of good stuff 
on Twitter there coming from Alex, uh, especially if you're an NFL fan, uh, a WNBA fan. You know, we'll see how that South Korean baseball thing works out, but we'll <laughs> see how that going there. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, any any closing words? No, I just wanted to say thanks for having me on. It uh, you know it was a blast talking to you and uh, talking process and and uh, you know keep doing what you guys are doing and best of luck. All right, sounds great. Once again, folks, I'm your host Al Walsh, and this is the Sports Predictor Podcast. Go to sportspredictor.com where professional bettors share their best plays. Get the winning edge by subscribing to the Sports Picks packages from long-term winning bettors. Once again, sportspredictor.com. All right, Alex, once again, thank you very much, and we'll see you next time on the Sports Predictor Podcast. 